I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Wise Men's Day Preview Podcast. We have Scunthorpe United away at the weekend. In the studio with me tonight, we have Mickey Loft. Hello. We have Matthew Keeling. Hello. And we also have Chris Weatherspoon. Hello. Are you everyone all right there? Yeah. Yes. Apart cold. from a little bit of a cold. Well, you've got the sniffles. You're cold. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm not cold now because I've been here half an hour while these two oh, turn up. beef already. <laughs> uh, right. He's talking rubbish. We've got lots <laughs> to get through. On, the, on this edition of the Wise Wednesday podcast, you're going to hear from Jack Ross as he looks ahead to the weekend's fixture. Uh, we'll also have an away guide from Tom Walsh, which always goes down quite well. There's a, the occasional troll on Twitter about that, but we'll glide over that. Right. So we'll look back on the last league game, which was the 1 1 draw. Uh, at home to Luton. Chris, you haven't said anything about this because I don't believe you were on the Monday podcast, were you? No, I wasn't. Um, wh- how did you see things uh, on Saturday? Um, yeah, I-, I thought a draw was pretty fair. Yeah. I thought um, I thought they were one of the few sides who've actually managed to play decent football against us and pr- uh, be quite effective. Like yeah. Most, like, when Charlton, the week before, were a good example, tried to play nice passing football against us and I think it's fair to say we tore them apart in the first half I didn't think that was the case for Luton uh, I actually thought we scored pre- pretty against the runner play mm. and um, yeah I think I think the draw was a fair result I mean the referee uh, spoiled it a bit for you he he made it interesting <laughs> um, he, he, was, he was he was terrible yeah. he, he was dreadful um, but I don't think it had like any real bearing on the result. I must admit, I think I'm one of the, f- the few people who thought it was a penalty at the time and can still kind of understand why it was given. Yeah. Uh, In your opinion, what's he given it for then? I think he, I think he gave it for um, the foul. I think I think he's trying to say that they're allowed to come in to hit it and was it Flanagan or Baldwin? I, I forget now. It's four days. Flanagan, I think it was Flanagan. Flanagan. Uh, I think he's trying. I, I think if the lad goes down. People are a lot more understanding of it. I personally just don't think it was a penalty. I've watched it back, and to be honest, why I said that, Chris, like, where do you think the penalty is? Because I've watched it back so many times, and I still can't identify the second he's given it. If that makes sense. Well, it wasn't in his, in his report that it was for handball, though. Yeah. Well, that's, well, that's, well, that's farcical, then, no one, even, no one appealed for it. Is that true? Because Ross came out afterwards and said that they clarified it was for the foul. Oh, right, James, okay, James Hunter from the Chronicle. But said the same. I'll be the reason I thought because at the time, maybe maybe I just like looked at it and thought he's gonna foul them here. And when it was given and everybody around me was going, "Oh, what's up for?" I was like, well, I, "I think he's given it for the for the foul." But I suppose it's clearly a pretty contentious one. If 
five days on, we still don't know for definite exactly mm. what it was given for. I think Matthew makes a good point. I mean, as a referee, you can't go off player reaction, but it's always a really good indicator. And the Luton players almost reacted in a surprise manner when the penalty was given. Yeah. And I do agree with Chris. I do believe that the draw was a fair result at the weekend, but it was a manner in which the draw came about that makes sense that frustrated me. Well, there's, you know, Chris McGuire's red card's been overturned in the yeah. meantime, which would suggest the referee... You know, generally had a, a, a bad day at the office, didn't he? Yeah, yeah I remember the Maguire one was like right in front of where I sit. It happened very quickly. Yeah, but even though you know how they, they all say they're not that type of player, mm. he definitely is that type of player. <laughs> yeah. So um, and that and the opposition player was working our players up the whole pretty much all the second half. Oh yeah, half. yeah, definitely. I, I mean, like, from what I saw from there, like, I thought that was a red card at the time. I actually I didn't think Maguire's was. Yeah. I thought it, it was kind of. It looked more like he stumbled than he actually stamped on everyone, mm. and they obviously they've overturned it. So what really frustrated me with the referee was he was just making huge calls, just randomly, just really, just randomly making decisions, and I as if he didn't really know, but he wanted to give something all the time, constantly to show like I'm the referee here and I'm. I think it created even more because. Like he was a referee who we'd all heard of because he's refereed in the Premier League before. Yeah, and you kind of you kind of expect a sort of minimum level of mm. not even it doesn't even have to be like getting every decision right. It's just a bit of control over the game. And it, the, like I thought it was a really good game of football, but it could have actually been even better yeah. if the referee hadn't been so incompetent. I mean, the refereeing decisions I think were just basically like the rules of the game were just put into a machine and just were randomly generated as the game <laughs> went on. Like because I just couldn't see any rationale behind a lot of his decisions. But like I see, I can't be too disappointed because I do think a draw was a fair result on reflection and I think if Luton had scored one of the chances I had in the first half and McLaughlin hadn't pulled off all those fantastic saves and mm. we were talking about a point, I would be saying that it was a fair result but I'd be talking about Sunderland's deficiencies a lot more than the referees' deficiencies. Yeah. yeah. I think Saturday was the first time, well, I thought, actually I thought somewhere against Shrewsbury but I thought um, Saturday we looked quite toothless up front which is... <laughs> been pretty rare to say this yeah there was a couple of occasions where the, uh, a few chances fell in particular to charlie white didn't they and you think oh, he's, he's got to do better from them he should score the header when um, yeah McGeady actually the i actually thought it was mcgeady following it in when i watched it at the time i thought well i let him off it was mcgeady with the header. <laughs> yeah. yeah but then the sort of the yeah, should, was, was at the white. time like it looked like he should have scored and then like watch it back and yeah, it was even close to scoring. No, it was miles wasn't. away. Yeah, uh, but but even that that was that was pretty much out and off. Mm. Uh, that was McGeady um, picking the ball off the bar from twenty five yards, and I think um, obviously it's a different style. We'd have to play. We have to play if Wyke's up front. Yeah, and I'm not sure. But I did. Late, sorry, I was going to say later on in the second half, deep into the second half, when we were, you know, we Oviedo came on. I think a bit too late, perhaps. But yeah. when we were trying to get down. The wings and just knock the ball in the way. That's what he does. Yeah, that's what he is. He's I, a target man in the, the box. The, I think the thing which really kind him, of him, him having to come deep just doesn't seem to I, work. But well, I, I disagree with that slightly because I think there was plenty of half decent balls in the box that he wasn't in the same post score as. There was I a period like, in the second half. I think it was in the space of about a minute. I think Power Maguire and I think it might have been James put four excellent balls across it, and he just was. He was just nowhere. He was. Just stood in yeah. no man's land on the edge of the box. I, I agree with that. I, I don't think positionally he looked up to, up to uh, what you would have hoped for. I actually thought one of the problems we had though, like, was it felt like we were crossing the ball from the wrong areas a lot. Like we didn't. It was quite rare that we actually got in behind, mm. and I, it was it was fairly frequent. It, the ball it, it was, was 
crying over some pace in the second half, wasn't it? As well? Yeah, and I, I think I can understand why he waited to put Kim Yoga on because we know he's very raw. But I just thought I when, love that raw. <laughs> <laughs> but but when they were down to ten men, and um, obviously we, we were going to push for it, I, I thought he probably could have come on a good ten fifteen minutes earlier. Again, I would slightly disagree with that because I oh, think it's a disagreement mm-hmm. tonight. I know I'm, I'm normally, there's normally quite a lot of consensus. Otherwise, when <laughs> yeah. I say a podcast, so it's quite rare. But um, I just think Kim Yoga. I think at this stage in his development, I still think he's very much you bring him on for the last ten minutes because when he comes on, it's essentially chaos theory. Yeah, which is what football tends to be in the last ten minutes of a lot of games. So that's why I think he's suited to that environment. But I think if he come on a little bit earlier when the game's still obviously with having the man advantage, we naturally had a bit more of a ball, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I just think he can leave you really open and susceptible to a counter-attack, given his style of play. So I think there's a right call to bring him on. I, ironically, October slash November, Jerome Sinclair would have been perfect. Mm. But unfortunately, obviously, things didn't work out and he's gone back to his parent club. He has gone back to his parent club and we'll bring that on to Transfer Talk now. We've seen the exit this afternoon of... Well, promising youngster. Andy Nelson's gone to Dundee, is it, I think? Yeah. Uh, on a permanent deal. Didn't uh-huh. see that one coming. I thought he would come back because he's had quite a good loan spell out, hasn't he, recently? Yeah. He, he, I mean, he had a very good loan spell at Darlton and from looking at his goals, we were taken very well. He scored all kinds of goals, but I don't... Re- I'm not really too disappointed about it because I don't think he was quite good enough to break through at League One level. I mean... Yeah. Because I've, I've watched him play in the under-23s, and he's a good player. He's a, he's a, certainly a trier. He puts himself about. But even when I've watched like under-23s footy, he's never really like stood out for me as mm. being somebody who would like really make it in league football. But I wish him all the best, because like I say, he seems a very honest player, very good pro, and I, and I hope he makes it. Chris, the Magic saga goes on. It does. Continues. And what do you, what do you think the, the current state of affairs are with, with that? Uh, it, it's gone very quiet. Um, the Greek thing's almost helped in a way. Yeah, Take the intention yeah. off it. Yeah, it, it, it's gone really quiet, and I think like this is the way, in my opinion, anyway. This is the way it should have been, anyway. Mm. I, I never agreed with the public deadline. I think, as it was, like I thought, Manji was excellent down at Charlton, but when it all kicked off the day before that, I was thinking, well, this is pretty terrible preparation for what's going to be a big game. Mm. And I just think um, there's a reason. There's a reason these things happen behind closed doors because they can be quite disruptive. And I mean, I don't know. Like, obviously, he was he was ill last weekend. Um, I, I think um, a lot seems of, to be genuinely ill as well. Yeah, I think back a lot, in the squad for the weekend. I think the fact we have to say that, and that a lot of people's reaction at two o'clock last Saturday when they saw the team was, "Oh, hang on, what's going on there?" Because we've been we've yeah. been happy in the past with that kind but of yeah, thing. Yeah, but that was that was an offshoot of what had gone on like yeah. a couple of weeks before that, which. Like it, it isn't. It isn't really what you want from uh, your top scorer. And I mean, I, I don't know how true these stories are that he's going to hang around until the end of the season and then uh, pop off to Germany. But honestly, like in my opinion, if if the choice is between selling him for a smallish fee now and keeping him to the end of the season and not getting anything for him, I think I'd probably pick the latter. Mm-hmm. Just because I think if they lose him now. Um, it's going to take time for someone like Wyke to bed in properly, and it's kind of time that we don't really have. Yeah. And I think the obviously, like financially, you might look at it and go, well, "Hang on, we're, we're we're losing out on that transfer money." But if we if we get a little bit now, but then miss out on promotion, 
that's going to be financially a lot worse. Yeah, and I think I believe that the, if he does go now, it'll be looked back upon as a watershed moment. Should we fail to get promoted? Um, I think as well, if Madrid does go this month, it leaves us short because we're looking at Adwell Grigg as additional quality to the side, or even if we're not actively pursuing as Will Grigg as um, intensely as it's kind of reported in the press, we still are looking to bring an A-quality striker. Now, if Madrid goes, you're suddenly looking at bringing in two quality strikers, and I'm just not sure where you find them from at this level, mm. to get two players that can want to replace Madrid and want to add the quality to the side. So yeah. I think we're leaving ourselves very stretched, should he go. Well, let's just get behind him anyways in the squad this weekend. Completely agree. Yep. Right. Uh, we're going to have an away guide now. We're looking forward to the Scunthorpe game at the weekend. Tom Walsh has provided us with some audio. With long-haul trips to Oxford and Bristol ahead of us, a trip down to North Lincolnshire and to the town of Scunthorpe is one that will seem like a relative breeze. Scunthorpe, of course, known as the industrial garden town, is home to Britain's largest steel plant and also where Kevin Keegan started his illustrious career. It is also home to Glanford Park, the first purpose-built stadium following the Bradford City Fire and was constructed in 1988. And it's not, it's a relatively easy trip down here with the M62, M18 and then onto the M181 and then parking is available at the ground. If you're arriving by train, it is a two-mile walk from the train station, so your best bet is either hopping on the number one bus from Scunthorpe bus station or hopping in a taxi from one of Scunthorpe's many hostelries. If you're stopping in the town centre, the camera-accredited Honest Lawyer pub on Oswald Road is a particular favourite among away supporters and has a range of burgers that all seem to depict famous rock stars such as Lenny if you fancy a really cheap beer then you can head up to the Blue Bell also on Oswald Road which is it has a legend about it that says to serve certain pints for £1.20 if you happen to be stopping nearer the ground there's the old farmhouse which is one of those like flying horse pubs or hungry horse pubs full of you know kids food play pens stuff like that or alternatively you could head on to Berkeley Roundabout where you'll find the Berkeley Hotel which is one of the very few Sam Smith's hotels so you can once you finish your taddy lager you can crash out in your Sam Smith's hotel room and if you're staying over in Scunthorpe I can't really recommend anything so have fun When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Our thanks to Tom Walsh, as ever, for his away guide. Yes, we are going down to Scunthorpe at the weekend. Glanford Park. Anyone ever been there before? No. 
No. I've been, I did a gig once <laughs> in um, in Lincoln, which is near there. Lincoln's all right. Yeah, Lincoln's and quite, at a, a pub nice. called the Lincoln Imp. And oh. d- downstairs, there was a, in the in the basement of the uh, the pub, was like a, a, a like a bare knuckle boxing ring, which had loads of stains on it. Someone definitely died in that. I can't. I probably was shouldn't it, have said was that. Was it like some sort of fight club? Yeah, so yeah. You sh- you we found it. We came across it. We shouldn't. I shouldn't have come yeah, across it. On. It was a great gig, though. <laughs> I have a first rules already been <laughs> <laughs> Um So if the lads are going down there, they want to go for a night. They're linking him. Good, and also a great little boxing ring down in in the basement. Check it out. Um, anyone going down? I'm not, no. No, in oh. the words of Tiny Temper, I've been to Southampton, but I've never been to Scunthorpe. Good. Um, Scunthorpe currently sitting Pretty 15th good. in League One. Um, played 28. Let's get sitting on 33 points. Um, conceded 53 goals, which would suggest, you know, we could, we could score the weekend. And, of course, earlier in the season when we met them at the Stadium of Light, it was that one of those 3-0 at half-time things we did earlier in the season and then just kind of cruised through the second half. Probably the comfortablest win I think, I think right. people still complained though in the second half that like, we took yeah, our foot off the gas. I remember. Yeah, yeah. I think what was funny was um, like half time. We're like, whoa, like we're we're, we're here. To, we're not messing around here. Sort yeah, of thing. it was good. But, and then Max Power scored in that game. He did. Uh, when he was, he almost looked like a different player <laughs> back then to what he is now. In in some ways, in, in a yeah. kind of forward sense, um, he was great that day. Uh, yeah. Sorry. No, no. Go on. I think Scunthorpe. It was very much a kind of what was all the fuss about game. Because yeah. we'd had the opening game against Charlton with all the hype, etc. Yeah. We went around it. Then we had the draw at Luton, which at the time, I mean, now it looks like an excellent point, but at the time people were unhappy at the result. And then you had the Scunthorpe game coming up, and you're thinking, oh, like, and then we're freeing it up at half time, absolutely cruising. And Scunthorpe, honestly, I think they're the only team really that come to stay in my light, with the exception of Rochdale, and completely kind of just surrender. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Roch- at least Rochdale put up a good fight for half an hour. I was going to say, I thought I actually thought Rochdale when we were because we were three up at half time then, weren't we? And, that, yeah, and yeah. I, I don't really think we deserved to be three up. Where no, Scunthorpe could Roch- have been about six. Yeah, for yeah, Rochdale spell, we just game rather. We just had a spell, didn't we? Yeah, of ten minutes where we scored the first goal. Their their heads went down, and we just capitalised on it with some excellent clinical finishing. Yeah, but the Scunthorpe game, it was just you could tell that things weren't going well between like them and the management because they lost. 3-0 at our place, and they got turned over 5-0 against Fleetwood a few days later, then the manager got sacked. Mm. So, but I think um, it'll be a very different scum for upside. Yeah, absolutely. They've won four of the last five games. Uh, so they're winning at the moment. They haven't lost since uh, they got defeated on Boxing Day to Luton. Yeah. Uh, but that was at home. But they apparently so. played quite well yeah. against Luton. Mm. Apparently, yeah. Uh, um, we've got a few chances before. The so they're in a little bit of form at the minute as they come into the game. Lee Novak is on 11 goals as well for them. And Stuart McCall, of course, is their manager. Um, Can you point out to everyone that Lee, Lee Novak is a mag? Yeah, you could definitely point that out. Boom. Therefore deserves Buren. Yeah. Because he came through Wars and Boys Club, which makes him a mag. Yeah. He played for Newcastle Blue Star. Which makes him a mag. mag. Probably drinks Newcastle Brown Ale. Yeah, which makes him a massive mag. Vox is coming back. Yeah. I saw on Twitter today that the Vox beers are coming back. I don't yeah. know who's behind it, but. Vox is here, it's great, isn't it? Scunthorpe <laughs> 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 have got loads of mags. They have. Yeah. So, well, keep that in mind at the, at the weekend. <laughs> just, um, we'll, just, we'll just dangle that out. There. But they, 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 they've scored 36 goals this season, they've, um, they've won nine. Drawn six, but lost 13, importantly. You know what it is? I've just, like, reading them. Chris's quite good preparation, actually, for once, you know. He's, he's gone, he's so versed in the genre a bit. He's not been completely rubbish. Um, quite dirt work for Chris, obviously. And he's, <laughs> um, no, and he's, um, 
from what you said, the basically saying the epitome of League One in the teams, <laughs> but teams just do seem to have these like very patchy runs of form in yeah, League One, don't yeah, they? Definitely, yeah. The um, the tend like go on a few with a few games. You think, oh well, they could be in like in the round of playoffs, and then they'll then they'll like lose a few games and they kind of win four in a row. Yeah, it, it's just it is mad, and that's why I think that this Sunderland kind of like run of form is being kind of over analysing people have been a little bit critical because if this is our poor run then that's excellent really yeah. when you put it in context over the course of a season and I know it's a point which I've, I've made several times but even in seasons that you look back on now and it was like Utopia the best ever under Peter Reid with 105 points we went on spells during that season where we drew games and I'm sure there were people in like the pubs of some at the time said oh we're drawing too many games but the thing is, obviously, you didn't have Twitter back then, where like everything gets blown up out of proportion, and you've some got, walls. And, and you've got, <laughs> and you've, but you've got now you've got like stats at your fingertips. Though. So if you if you're already thinking that things aren't doing going so well, you look on Twitter and there was a thing on yesterday suggesting that we hadn't created as many chances as our promotion rivals, and mm. a bit of confirmation bias kicks in, and people start to panic. Where the reality is, but we just do have like a better standard player, so therefore we don't need the chances to score, and the chances we create are probably going to be better quality chances and more likely to lead to a goal. Yeah, and Matthew, those better quality players, like Madger, Catamull back in the squad at the weekend, got to make the difference, right? Yeah, I think I think we miss Catamull, sounds pretty obvious, but I think when he plays well, everybody plays well, like he mm. gives the team such a massive lift, and sometimes even when he's not having a good game, just the presence of him actually being there can drag us through. Yeah. It's dragged us through tough periods in the, even in this season, even against sort of lesser lesser quality teams than he has done in the past. I think adding him, I think the one miss though is still George Honeyman. I think who doesn't yeah, look like he's going to be nah. featuring at the weekend. By the sounds of it, it's a bit disappointing because I mean, but the midfield. This, that's, I've said it a couple of weeks on this podcast. There seems to be some kind of deficiency between our midfield and the front line. Yeah. Whoever there, whoever there is leading the front well, line. That for is. me, I think could. Well, we could try and solve it if Matthews is back, because you want to put nine, sweet yeah. Luke O'Nine in, in, in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's been playing great at right back, though, hasn't he? Yeah, he's been excellent. Um, I th- somebody made it might be new, Michael, the other week made the point that um, if we'd actually bought him as a right back and he was playing in the team, was it you? I can't claim credit for. It. I believe that was Gareth. Uh, claim credit for it and ex- like, expand I, on the point. I don't like praising Gareth. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, Gareth apparently said that uh, if we'd signed him as a right back and he came into the team and was playing as he was now, you'd be you'd be full of praise from regardless. Kind of yeah. the fact that we've actually signed him as a centre midfielder who, let's be honest, had a pretty tough start. Mm. Here. I think Craig Clark was suggesting that we put them in like the stocks at Kale Square and throw rotten fruit at them at one. He did stage. say that at one point. He definitely <laughs> it's not, like, that. not like not like Craig. But here we are. You know, he's 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 playing. That is not care- a direct <laughs> quote from Craig Clark, by the way. <laughs> He's, he's, he's playing caretaker right back, if you like. He yeah. scored four goals this season. He, the energy, you know, he obviously is in love with the situation at the moment. Yeah. He's loving his football. But is there space for him in midfield, though, with the likes of Honeyman Cats coming back? I, I think there possibly could be, yeah, because I, I think one of the problems is that, um, I mean, power was ideally like your box-to-box kind of shuttling player. And... I don't think it's unfair to say that like the red card situation has taken away from his game in that sense. I think he is, and I'm not saying it's it's a permanent thing, but I think he is struggling kind of to make his mark, certainly in the second half of games now. And I think mm. I think I think there's room for um, Unai, and especially if Honeyman's out, if Honeyman's not playing rather. So should Honeyman miss out at the weekend? I think Unai would be perfect because to play like the more advanced midfield role. Because as much as he's been playing very well right back, Adam Matthews has had a great season. 
and he is a very good right back for League One level. I mean, don't yeah. forget we signed Adam Matthews in the Premier League to play in the Premier League. His yeah. delivery as well is excellent. Yeah, and another point I was going to make about all nine, it might bring out um, a different side of Charlie White should he play because. Or nine when he was at Wigan, he scored quite a lot of goals, albeit at a slightly lower level. We scored a lot of goals playing off Acton Fenway. Mm. And the idea was yes. it will be kind of chaos for you. I've used that phrase twice on the show tonight, but anyway. So they were at least we got the title of the pod. <laughs> they will play, li- play a little bit more direct, and Acton Fenway will get the knockdowns and create the aforementioned chaos in the penalty area. <laughs> and Luke, o- and Luke o- nine would make his runs, they get on the end of it. And as we saw against Shrewsbury, he can be quite an instinctive finisher. And obviously he's gone to Charlton, did he mean it? Possibly not, as Simon Grayson would say. <laughs> but um, but his goal against um, Ch- um, Portsmouth was a very good goal as well. So yeah. he obviously can finish and he's had experience of playing off a target man. I'm not saying Charlie White is a pure target man, but he's certainly the nearest thing to a target man we have, so he could bring out the best in him. So what you're saying is we need to sign out in Fenway? Absolutely. <laughs> right, okay. I'm all for that. I, I discovered the other day he's actually got an autobiography out. Let's read it. Luke would anyone nine. like to guess, do a podcast on it? Would anyone like to guess the title? Beast mode. Beast mode. Or the beast. The beast. Yes. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, well, let's hear from uh, our manager oh, Jack. Ross. No, no, sorry. <laughs> Not even similar. Jack Ross is going to. He was speaking at the press conference today ahead of the weekend's fixture down at Scunthorpe. Yeah, I mean, this, I found this league intriguing as well. I think I don't know if it's because of the, you know, for me it's obviously different in terms of the numbers in it and. So a lot of the time you can look at a fixture list in advance and believe that you're going to play a team that's near the bottom of the table and yet the time you come in to play them they're sometimes in a really rich way in the form I think we've had that already with a couple of others this season um, and likewise it can be the, the you know that can be the reverse of that but sometimes you look and think oh but that team that's maybe fourth or fifth the time you get to that game they're maybe not in a good run so it's a the time the game comes around sometimes the dynamics of a change and it's like that for Scunthorpe this weekend the recent form's been great um, again because we'll sell out our allocation I think they've encouraged their supporters to come out in numbers as usually happens when we go and all of a sudden the whole atmosphere changes around the game so um, I keep saying we have got much better at dealing with away games this season I think as the season's going on um, and we're going to have to deal with Saturday as well because it will be a challenge because of the form they're in and also how they'll view the game you know, with us coming Our thanks to James Copley who collected that audio on behalf of Sun FM who's let us use it here on the podcast. Right, a couple of other issues before we go. Manchester City have been big crybabies about the (laughs) under-23s game. Chris, should they be crying or should they shut up? They should shut up. Why? (laughs) It's, It's just ridiculous. I mean, as has been pointed out plenty since we heard this story, first of all, don't enter the competition if you don't like when the games are on. Second of all, don't kick off that you might have to play your under-21s in a competition <coughs> for your under-21s. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, just, it's just arrogance. Like, yeah. let's, let's be honest. Like, the EFL have kind of stood up to them and said, OK, actually, no, we're going to play this when it should be played. But they were like, we, we, uh, we thank Manchester City for whatever. Yeah, and please enter next season. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is the, thing, and the thing is, I, I, and I'm in no way standing for Man City here, but you can kind of understand why they've tried to look after the EFL agreed to let them play all the game, games in this tournament away. Away, yeah. So, because, because apparently they were, they were worried they'd lose money if they had to play them at the Etihad. But as well, that, <laughs> for what, what they're saying <laughs> is... Um, so he wanted to play his under-21s against Burton, which implies he's not taking that game very seriously. Now, he's supposed to take every game as seriously. He, he could literally put he, us four out What team Burton could not defend a 9-0 <laughs> win? What? You never know. Early goal. <laughs> 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 got, got a goal. Magic of Cluffy, you know? 
Michael, yeah. thoughts on the Manchester City under twenty one? I mean, like, I mean, I completely understand Man City's point of view because I mean, they, they do need this money, don't they? Definitely very relying on these gate receipts to exist as a club, you know. Yeah. I mean, if only if you had like a billionaire tycoon like making like millions of pounds a day pouring money into the club. I know. It's, as Chris says, I can't really add much more. It's just farcical. They've already got the way with, um, as I say, it undermines the integrity of the competition, but this is even like a suggestion. Mm. I mean, imagine in the FA Cup if a team came out and complained about something because they wanted to play players in like, a different game. It's mm. just, it's ridiculous because we get constant lectures from the AFL about how we need to take the check trade trophy seriously, but suspensions don't count as an actual game, but you can't play them anyway. Yeah. But then you've got that, and then you've got the situation like this, and you can play all your games away from home. It's absolutely, it's just absolutely perhaps, ridiculous. Perhaps the thinking was there's so little integrity left in this tournament, <laughs> we might as well just get rid of the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> then, then, then what we'll do, we'll, um, these are the views of uh, Michael Loft, not the Wise Men's Day podcast, <laughs> but we will also fix draws as well to get well, more yeah. publicity and bigger crowds, like the Port Vale Stoke game, and they saw, oh, Stoke took 4,000 fans, so, oh, I'll tell you what we'll do, we'll have Sunderland versus Newcastle in the next round. Coincidence. Yeah, it's just nonsense. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll find out. Uh, is anyone going on Tuesday night? I'll go down. I'll be there. Yeah, I've been every round so far. Well, at home anyway. Yes. Yeah, um, although I went to Morecambe, yeah, so. Oh, game. ultra. He's <laughs> the ultra in the room. Right, <laughs> predictions before. Oh, well, have you got something else? That, yeah, because, like, my stat sheet oh, got some go. praise. Yeah, yeah. When we missed out the best start on here. Right. Which is that, and, th- and this very much feeds into what Michael was saying about Scunthorpe being very League One. Okay. So they sold Neil Cox to Aston Villa in 1991. Okay. And in exchange, they got some seats. That's <laughs> <laughs> on their ground. I've got a fact about their ground as well. It's identical to the Bescott Stadium as well. Before, oh, right. Well, before they extended it. Well, I don't know why anyone would care. But I, I like, well, how many seats did they get for uh, Cox? Well, apparently they, they kitted out one of the stands as an all-seater on the back of it. So, That's pretty good. Yeah. So did you 200. see those? Did you see those seats online? I think ALS retweeted them this week. Was it uh, Newton Aircliffe FC or someone like that? I can't remember the team. But, but they basically just took some seats when Roker Park. But you know, when you could go up and rock up and just take <laughs> stuff. And the tremendous thing still about them. is, those seats. They're not only still using them; they are still red. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they right. are still red. We've run out of time. Predictions for the weekend. Chris, we'll start with you. Sunderland down at uh, Scunthorpe. What's the stadium called again? Glanford Bla- Park. Glanford Park. Score going to be. Villa's seats. Yeah. Um, 2-0 to Sunderland. 2-0 Sunderland. Michael off. Yeah, back on track. We're massive. Scum for the rubbish. 3-0 Sunderland. 3-1 <laughs> <laughs> Sunderland. Right, thanks very much, guys, for your predictions. Find out what happens 3pm on Saturday afternoon. Join the lads on Monday for the usual Wise Men's Day podcast. Have fun if you're going down there. Take care.
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.